Our gospel lesson for this Easter Sunday morning is from Luke, the 24th chapter. Hear now God's words for you. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them, and the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and crucified and on the third day rise again? Then they remembered his words and they returned from the tomb and they told all of this to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanne, and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to be an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, and he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home amazed at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord. All through the six weeks of Lent and, of course, Palm Sunday, we've been talking about a new vision for the church, prayer, radical hospitality, intentional invitation, and with that sort of a background, we now come to what I want to contend is the most important Sunday of the Christian year. Easter. Resurrection Sunday, we call it. Easter is a truth that is too good to be true. But it's true anyway. But not everybody knows it. Nor does everyone believe it. It requires faith to enter into the gladness of this day. And I believe that the purpose of the Luke text is to invite us to believe. Or if we find belief difficult, it is to invite us to live as if we believe until we believe. This text invites us to stop looking at the world through Good Friday eyes and start looking at the world through Easter eyes. You see, sometimes I think we are so serious about all the aspects of the faith that we forget that God uses laughter and irony and the ridiculous and tons and tons of metaphor and all the other kinds of emotions you can imagine to try to bring alive the gospel for us. Of course the faith is serious. But that does not stop us from using all the tools that God has given us to make the faith be alive in us. Today we are invited to share, as it were, with Jesus the ending to a story that we know, but as is true in all good literature, the characters in the story don't know. Like all good drama, it's almost as if we're standing off to the side with Jesus while that drama takes place in the center. And because we know the story, it's almost as if Jesus leans over and whispers, you're going to like this part. 
Watch. It's the first day of the week. It's Sunday. The day after a Jewish Sabbath, Jesus has died and He was placed in the tomb on Friday. And so at the crack of dawn on Sunday, women set out for the grave. And when they get there, they're surprised because the stone has been rolled back. And they go into the tomb and the body is gone. And they're surprised. Well, heck, who wouldn't be? They're perplexed. Of course they are. Where would it be? Who took it? What happened? And then I think, here we are off to the side, and Jesus gives us a little nudge and says, you go love this part. While they're standing there, bewildered and amazed, two men in dazzling white appear before them. Matthew says they're angels. That's not what Luke says. He just says two people, two men. I don't know about you, I've not seen an angel. At least not one I could recognize was from a heavenly realm. And these women hadn't either, supposedly. But their eyes, you can imagine, are big as saucers that two people standing there glowing in the dark. And stomachs begin to turn somersaults and they fall on their face in the dirt. Well, think about it. What would you do if you went to the funeral of a friend and you found it was all empty and there were men in shining white saying, he's not here? Yeah, that'd be a surprise, wouldn't it? And the angel says those words which roll back, I will argue, all the grief of history, all the sadness of humanity. Why do you seek the living among the dead? It's a rebuke. Correction with affection, one person calls it. It is a challenge and there's a smile built into it. There's laughter just waiting under the surface. You know, in the early church, that was one of the big things on Easter. They laughed. Why? Because God had pulled the greatest trick of all upon the devil. Death didn't get to win. We don't think about laughter. We're too solemn these days. Maybe it's time we laughed. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. Remember, He told you this. And the women did remember the words. And they believed this good news and they race off to tell the apostles and everybody else there were more followers than just the eleven. In both Luke and Matthew's account, the women believe and they really don't require any more proof than this simple announcement. They believe before they've seen the risen Christ. And maybe that's the reason that women got to be there first to receive it. Because the disciples clearly don't believe it. You can imagine the excitement as these women rush into wherever they were all staying and said, we've been to the tomb, it's empty, we've seen angels, a shining light, and this announcement that, he's been, that He has risen. And the apostles say... Oh, women, why would we listen? In those days, for something to be counted factual, it took two witnesses and they both had to be male. 
Sad world, huh? How long, what a long way we've come. And I suspect it's because in that culture the men could say, God wouldn't entrust such an important message to mere women. If we didn't see it, it must not be true. Seeking the dead among the living. Seeking the living among the dead. Grief does some weird stuff to us. There are folks here who are remembering and suffering from fresh grief, having just lost a mother or a father. And that's what grief does to us. We almost can't believe it's true. You go into the kitchen in the morning and you get down two cups because you don't remember you only need one. Or you go to the store and you look at a toy for a child and you remember this child's not going to be playing with any more toys on this side. That's part of the grief process. We all do it. Those moments when you think it's a bad dream, when you think, oh, he didn't really die, but you know in your heart that he did. And maybe that's where the disciples are. Maybe they just, maybe they just can't quite cross that gap yet. It's tricks that our minds play on us in grief. Maybe that's what the disciples are thinking. After all, in our experience, have you ever known anybody personally who came back from the dead? We don't. This is the only case in all our experience. And even the disciples who you remember were present at the resurrection of Lazarus don't get it. Death for them had always been the final word over life. See, I think we human beings have experienced way too much death. Death is all around us. That's how we leave this world. But I think here in resurrection, God chides us through the angels, why do you look for the living among the dead? There's a, there's a gentle rebuke in those words for us. See, I think we cultivate a cult of Good Friday. We know about how to do Good Friday things. We know about how to fix the casseroles and go to the funerals and make the visit at the funeral home and walk through those processes. We know how to do that. We've done it. The truth is, that doesn't demand very much of us. But Easter, resurrection, demands stuff of us. Sometimes it's easier to look at our daily life and just say, no, I'm not going to live that way, than it is to hear God's eternal, le- God's eternal yes. Sometimes it's easier for us to cling to death than to turn and embrace life. That's why some folks want the tomb to stay sealed. Why do you seek the living among the dead? Sometimes we in the church seek to embalm Jesus all over again. We do it with our proper creeds and with the traditions of the church. And we do it in all the little things that we think makes the faith be faith. 
We turn the Word become flesh back into a Word again. We trap Jesus in the ways we've always done things. And we turn our eyes from a risen Christ who says, I make all things new. Now, don't misunderstand. Creeds are important. Belief is important. All those things count. But we need to remember that the Word made flesh and died and lives again. And it is that Word. It is that Word that we listen to. A Jesus that you can write down on paper is a paper Jesus. You cannot imprison a risen God in a few dogmas of the faith. He is a living Lord who comes and gives us new visions and new ways of being beyond anything we have yet anticipated. Easter comes to challenge our cynicism. It's not just about Jesus rising from the dead. It's about Jesus rising from the dead and saying to us, if I'm risen, I expect you to start living differently. I expect you to start being more open and more willing to reach out to the world. Easter won't let us live the way we've always lived. The disciples had invested everything in their lives for Jesus. He had changed everything for them. And now they're contemplating going back to fishing. Can't do that. That's what it means when Jesus has risen from death. It means He had it right all along. All along. It means we didn't understand. It wasn't just a dream. There is no normal after Easter because death has been beaten. Yes, we still die. And yes, we still put our loved ones in the ground. But death doesn't matter anymore. Because resurrection matters. Why do we seek the living among the dead? Jesus Christ is risen. And you're supposed to say, Yes. Yes. That's what Easter is about. And we've got a choice. We can join with women who went to a tomb and believed it and then lived it and with disciples who eventually got it. Or we can go back to being the same old cynics tomorrow we were on Friday. Those are really our choices. But I tell you, He's not dead. The promise continues down into eternity. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. I will be with you forever because of me. You will live forever. That's Easter. Now all glory and honor and majesty and power be given unto Him who was dead, but who is risen and who reigns forevermore as our Lord and as our God. Amen.